so many people giving up their time for the practice of meditation, coming to the monastery when no doubt you're tempted to do other things. So on New Year's Eve it's a time to recollect the Buddha. The Lord Buddha is our teacher. And we're following in his footsteps the path of practice that he laid down that leads to the end of suffering, to peace, purity of mind, which is what we all wish for. The Buddhist path leads to the arising of, we say, transcendental dhammas, <coughs> lokutara dhammas, dhammas that take us beyond the world, transcending the world or liberating us from the attachment to the world. Lokutara Dhamma, there's nine Lokutara Dhammas, the four paths, the four fruits, Maga and Pala, and then the ninth is Nibbana, enlightenment, the cessation of suffering. This is the aim of the Buddhist path of practice it's the cessation of suffering to transcend the world and our attachment to the world which is the cause of our suffering if you think back over the last year say 2010 you've experienced some happiness what we call sukha some unhappiness, suffering maybe, dukkha. We know both of these experiences. Maybe many times, sukha and dukkha, happiness, suffering over and over again through the year. We all know these experiences in our life. But that which takes us beyond Sukha and Dukkha, happiness, suffering, is this path, the transcendental path, a Lokutara Dhamma. Loka means world, Uttara means beyond or higher than the world, beyond the world. Something that is more refined, higher than the world. The world we already know, and we know that we're still caught into a round of happiness and suffering in our lives. We have some happiness, but we also have some suffering. Pleasure and pain, gain and loss, wealth, 
loss of wealth, status and power, loss of status and power, good health, bad health, praise and kind words, (coughs) criticism, harsh words. These are our experiences as a human being living in this world, in this realm. Pleasure and pain, happiness, suffering. We know this already, we've had much of this through our lives and through this last year. But that which goes beyond it, outside of it, or transcends it, this we don't know yet. But that's what the Buddhist path is taking us to. That's what the Buddha did through his own example of practice in his own enlightenment. It was an experience of developing the qualities that lead the mind to see beyond just the ordinary attachment to the world of happiness and suffering. And the Buddha, through his practice, he saw that attachment arises dependent on craving. That means desire. Liking, disliking, all the different desires we have coming up in our mind. Desire is fed by ignorance, avicā, not understanding truth. We let our mind get caught into desire, which leads to attachment, clinging, grasping, which leads on to birth, old age, sickness and death, and to soka paridewa dukkha domana supayasa. Pain of the body, pain of the mind, disappointment, despair, grief, sadness, different kinds of suffering. The Buddha, through his practice, found out that this comes through this whole process of ignorance giving rise to desire, craving, giving rise to attachment, giving rise to birth. This is what we call the round of Paticca Samubhada or Itapachayata, causal conditioning, one thing leading to another. When we're ignorant of, say, the Four Noble Truths, we don't understand what is suffering, how it arises, how to end it. When we have that ignorance in the mind, then we keep grasping at desire, which becomes attachment, which gives rise to birth and gives rise to suffering. You could explain that as the reason why we're here, why we were born. If you've ever asked yourself, why was I born? We were born because we wanted to be born. We had craving and attachment in our minds previously, prior to be born, to being born. That brought us to birth in this life. So Ajahn Chah, our teacher, used to say, we, we're here because we volunteered to be here. It was our own voluntary wish to be born through our craving and attachment 
unaddressed from previous lives. So if ever you find life difficult or you're suffering or you have the sense I wish I hadn't been born or life is too difficult, life is terrible, whatever. <coughs> this is a reflection, isn't it? It's a reflection we actually volunteered for this. Sure, we volunteer for the happiness of life, the pleasure, sukkah, all the pleasant experiences, we all like those and want them. But part and parcel of the package that comes with life is there's also some dukkha, some pain, some difficulty and suffering. So just as much as we volunteer for the pleasure, we also volunteer for the pain and suffering because we wanted to be born. And the way the Buddha said we can understand this process, this truth, is by observing our mind day to day like we are now. We're practicing meditation, seeing our mind how easily it's swayed by different sense impressions, moods, so external sense impressions, what we see, we hear, we taste, we smell, we touch. Internal sense impressions, meaning the memories, the thoughts and ideas that pop up into the mind. These all sway the mind and bring up different kinds of mood. Pleasant moods, pleasure, happiness. Unpleasant moods, displeasure, dissatisfaction, depending on the kind of sense impressions we're experiencing, pleasant or unpleasant. So the Buddha said this is birth and death at work or for us to see every moment of our day. It's not something you have to wait to the end of your life to experience death. You can experience birth and death every moment we get caught into another mood of pleasure, displeasure, satisfaction, dissatisfaction, happiness, sadness and so on. And you notice as you meditate that's happening, isn't it? You feel good, peaceful and then you might feel agitated, restless, disturbed for some reason. And this is this process whereby we contact things with our senses. Different sensations arise, feelings arise, memories come up, sound sights and so on. And these disturb the mind. The mind gets caught into moods of liking, disliking, pleasure and pain. This is where the Buddha had us practice to develop mindful awareness, clear comprehension and wisdom to see this process at work as we meditate, as we practice mindfulness like this today. You're seeing your own experience of happiness and suffering arise right in front of your eyes for yourself. You can know it for yourself by contemplating in this way. And this is the Buddhist path of practice, is learning to 
bring up this awareness and understanding of how we get caught into or attached to happiness and suffering in our minds. As long as we haven't investigated or looked at this, then we tend to remain ignorant of this truth. We don't understand it. So the process of birth and death, happiness and suffering continues over and over again through our life. So we might have this sense of one moment we feel good and happy, later on things change and we feel unhappy or we have suffering. Later on we have happiness again. Later on we have suffering again. They compare it to like being the clapper of a bell. Our mind is like this bell. And if the bell is still, the clapper of the bell is just hanging there in the middle, silent, at peace. But if you move the bell a little to the one side, then the clapper will ring the bell, hit the side of the bell, you get a noise. You move the bell back to the other side, it hits the other side. So our mind is like that constantly moving or swinging between happiness and suffering through our lives based on ignorance, conditioning, desire, which conditions attachment. As long as we don't see this happening, then it carries on. (coughs) But as we come to practice meditation like this, we're learning to look more closely at our minds we're seeing our own minds at work and we're seeing how, how we do attach. We attach to pleasure and pain, happiness and suffering. But when we practice more, we're developing the path that the Buddha talked about. We're developing understanding and mindfulness and wisdom which helps us to see this better and we can separate the mind from its usual attachment to happiness and suffering. And that's where peace arises. Uh, The peace of coolness, uh, detachment, or where, where we say letting go of self, where the mind is seeing anatta, this lack of self in our experience. You're just seeing these experiences of pleasure and pain, happiness and suffering as conditions of mind that arise and pass away according to causes and conditions. They're just sensations that they exist. It's not that they don't exist, they exist. But they're just sensations. Sometimes we feel happy, sometimes we feel suffering. But for one who is perfectly mindful and reflecting with wisdom, with insight, happiness and suffering have equal value. They're worth the same. They're just experiences that arise and pass away in our consciousness, into our awareness. So when we practice meditation like this, we have a chance to really see this very closely, very clearly. You can see each mood comes up, passes away, it's impermanent, it's just a sensation. Each thought, 
each emotion, each physical sensation arises, passes away into our consciousness. But there's nothing more than that. Unless we lose our mindfulness and we start creating something out of it. Creating a self. I am happy, I am sad, I am in pain, I experience pleasure and so on. We create a self, an ego around our experience when we're not clear of what's going on. But when the factors of the path, the Buddhist path we're practicing, are strong, come up together in our mind, then we can see that these experiences are not self. They're not the real me. They're not something to be grasped at firmly. They're something to be let go of. And this knowing, this understanding becomes much more firmer and much clearer to us. And this is what the Buddha was aiming for in his own practice and encouraging us to aim for in our own practice as we meditate. You see, when mindfulness is strong and we feel peaceful because we're letting go of that sense of self that forms around our experience. So that means sometimes you might even have pain. But if mindfulness is strong and our wisdom is there, we may just know the pain but let go of it without grasping or attaching at it, attaching to it. And it's quite possible to be mindful of some pain or a feeling of tiredness or some painful memory or some unpleasant thought that arises. One can be mindful of it but then let it go without attaching or grasping at it. Similarly, pleasure. We can know it and be mindful of it and when mindfulness is strong we just know it as this is a pleasant experience. Maybe we feel light and happy during the meditation as the mind becomes peaceful but we don't need to grasp at it with a sense of self we just know it or any of the other pleasant experiences in life we just know them for what they are but without grasping at them when mindfulness is strong we can do this we have sati, sampajanya, panya mindfulness, clear comprehension, wisdom then we become more like the Buddha we say our own Buddha nature, the own, our own internal Buddha arises in the mind when there's mindfulness and wisdom present. When we develop insight into our own experience and see that desire is just desire, attachment is just attachment and we let go. This is the Buddhist path that leads to enlightenment, that leads to transcending the world. When our understanding is strong, our mindfulness is strong, we do this well. And this might happen during our meditation or even during our day. You can see on those days when you bring mindfulness up in your daily life, you might have different experiences, some pleasant, some unpleasant. If you just know them as just that much, and just that much without adding anything more in the mind, then they don't leave a strong impression on the mind. They don't get us caught up, excited or depressed, happy or sad. We just know them as that much and we can let go. But if we're not practicing mindfulness, we remain 
unclear, blurry, confused about our experience, then of course all these emotions come up and overwhelm us. So with the pleasant things we become caught into the pleasure and the excitement and the happiness of that. The unpleasant things we get caught into that. And our life seems to become quite difficult and confusing. Always try to hold on to pleasure, feeling sad when we lose it. Always trying to run away from painful experiences, unpleasant experiences. And feeling worried that we'll have more of them. But one who practices mindfulness and develops wisdom and understanding, they become less like that. They become more at peace with life, more at ease and happy within themselves, more patient with the world and its changing conditions. Because as we practice the Dhamma, we can see how the world is a place that's very uncertain. In Thai, Ajahn Chah used to say, it's minor, uncertain, not sure. You can't always control the world to bring you pleasure and the things you want. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes we have pleasant experiences, but sometimes we can't avoid unpleasant experiences. You know, like the weather, sometimes the weather is hot, sometimes cold. Sometimes it's to our liking, sometimes not. Other people are like that. Our family members, sometimes they do what we want, sometimes they don't. Our work colleagues, they act the way we want sometimes, sometimes they don't. Sometimes our health is good the way we want, we feel strong. Sometimes we feel ill or unhealthy, it's what we don't want. If you step back, and reflect on this with mindfulness, with wisdom, we can see that's the nature of this realm we live in, this world we live in. It's uncertain, it's not sure. So the Buddha has a remedy for this, or a skillful way to live in the world. He said how we can live in the world with wisdom, with understanding, so that we don't have to keep getting caught into these cycles of happiness and suffering all the time. We don't have to keep getting born into happiness and then dying away from it, born into suffering, dying away from it. These cycles of birth and death that we can experience in our meditation and when we practice mindfulness, we can actually step outside of them through this practice. And this is what we call the Lokutara Dhamma. It leads us to transcend the world or rise above the world. Any time you feel peaceful in your mind, it's because you're letting go of some of your attachment to these things. You know, attachment to pleasure, attachment to pain, we can let go of all of them if we practice mindfulness and contemplate these things. If we don't, then we keep getting stuck in the same old spot. We keep seeking pleasure and hoping it will last and hoping it will stay with us forever when it can't. They will keep running away from pain and difficult experiences and getting upset by them. And the mind is constantly caught into these cycles. These attachments, Ajahn Chah used to compare them a bit like a screw or a nut that's tight, tight has been tightly uh, screwed into place, bolted into place, very firm. 
our attachments are like that. You know, our attachment to the feelings of pleasure and pain, the pleasant, unpleasant experiences we have, this sense of self that arises and grasps of them. It's like a, a nut or a screw firmly in place. What you have to do is start to untighten it, to loosen it, using a screwdriver or a spanner or something. And little by little you untighten that screw. Little by little you, you untighten it, it loosens and comes out of the hole. Our grasping and attachment to this body, this mind, our experiences of pleasure and pain is like that. We have to keep using mindfulness like a screwdriver to unwind our attachment. So it starts to turn in the opposite direction. <coughs> when we're not mindful, it's like we keep tightening things. When we're not clear in what's going on in our mind, we keep tightening our attachment to this body, our mind, our feelings, our emotions. So we keep suffering more and more. But when you practice mindfulness, the mind starts to feel a bit lighter, feel a bit better, because you're letting go by unwinding that firmness, loosening the firmness of that bolt or that screw. You keep practicing mindfulness, say through a meditation session, little by little you're letting go of some attachment to your thoughts and your worries and your sense of self, your conceit, your views, whatever it is that's coming up that's disturbing you. Maybe by the end of the meditation session you've let go of all of it, just mindfully return to the breath and there's nothing left of that sense of self. Whatever else comes just arises, passes away into consciousness. It's like you've unbolted or unscrewed that thing from your mind, so your mind just feels peaceful. If you ever felt peaceful in meditation, it's like that. It's because you've let go of something, isn't it? If you're still holding on tightly, then you still suffer. You're still thinking about that same old thing bothering you. Makes us angry or irritated or depressed. Makes us excited with some kind of greed or attachments. Makes us bored or fed up. Whatever the nature of the attachment it just leads to more mental proliferation, agitation and so on. It doesn't make us feel at ease and peaceful. When you practice meditation, what you're doing, you're loosening that grasping or that grip on the attachment and you start to feel a bit better. And so you use a meditation object to do that. You use the meditation on the breathing just to let go of your other thoughts and opinions and views all the sensations and sounds and different things that bother us. We're letting them go and just returning to the peaceful breath over and over again. Little by little, gradually our mindfulness improves so we feel more relaxed and more at peace. Then our wisdom starts to improve as well. We can see things more clearly. We can see, oh, if I can let go of that way of thinking, then I'm not bothered by that problem anymore. The mind is free. And that's a little bit of the Buddha wisdom coming up in the mind when we experience that freedom of letting go. The Buddha said he didn't teach things that people can't practice. He only taught that which human beings can practice. He's not like teaching us something that's just too hard or too high and refined or beyond our ability. All of us have the ability to bring up mindfulness, to let go of our attachments but we are the ones who have to do that practice. 
So on occasion like this, on New Year's Eve, we come together to practice meditation, to listen to Dhamma, something very good, very praiseworthy. We can practice this together with patience, with effort, with diligence, put our, some effort into our meditation tonight. Some of you might stay on until midnight, some might stay on through the night, right through till five tomorrow morning when the program ends. This is up to you, what you find uh, you can do and what's uh, suitable for you. But it's a night to put forth some effort for your own benefit and the benefit of your families and the people you know. You know Any time that you manage to bring up more awareness of yourself, let go of some of that attachment that causes you suffering, then you're only doing yourself some good. Even if it brings you a little bit of uh, difficulty, you know, sometimes you have to sweat a bit in order to practice. You have to put forth a little bit of effort to sit a bit longer or do walking meditation, try a bit harder. But when you try, you really try and you can let go of something and you feel the benefit for yourself. You feel lighter and happier in your mind because you've let go of that attachment. This is the Buddhist path. It's only for our own benefit, our own happiness. The Buddha, out of his compassion, he was teaching us how to be more peaceful within ourselves as human beings. Because he understood the human mind very well. And he understood the way to free ourselves, free this mind from suffering. You know, if our practice is going well, if you can establish mindfulness, you know, whatever mood arises, you know, really strong emotions sometimes, strong emotions of anger or greed, worry and fear, anxiety, whatever it may be, if your mindfulness is really strong, you might just apply mindfulness, let go of the grasping at that emotion. At that moment, you can completely free your mind from that particular mental defilement, that emotion and it goes to peace. Yeah, that's only no different from any enlightened teacher or the way the Buddha practiced. That's how they practice. They get the mind to the point where they can let go of things. If you completely let go, then you're going to be enlightened. If you can let go a little bit, well, it's a little step on the path towards enlightenment. If you have enough strength of mind, all the qualities required, the Sila, the samadhi panya, the moral restraint, the mindfulness, the concentration, the wisdom. If it's all there in the mind, then maybe you can completely let go. And that particular attachment won't come back and bother you ever again. And no more anger, no more greed about whatever the issue it was. It just ends there. If you really have enough strength of mind, the qualities, the barami, your good qualities are accumulated to that point, then you can just let go of something completely from your mind and that's it, you're free of that. It's like you're free from a debt. Other times maybe you haven't got that complete strength of mind but at least you have enough mindfulness to be aware of what's going on and you can see you're attaching and you see what you need to do so you have to just keep patiently practicing on until you have enough mindfulness, enough wisdom and understanding to let go of that issue that's bothering you. 
you know, whatever skillful means helps you to let go, then you have to find that, find that tool or skillful means to do the do the job, to let go. And this is the way the Buddha practiced, like it's not the practice, the Buddha just sort of did it on one night, although we talk about the Buddha's enlightenment, he practiced one night and became enlightened under the Bodhi tree, but if you think about it, the Buddha didn't just practice one night, he practiced for many, many nights before that, many lifetimes before that. No doubt he was just like us, once upon a time he started practicing meditation with the aspiration to become more peaceful, a little wiser. And he just started from that point and kept practicing every lifetime until it gradually gathered momentum and strength and then finally in his final lifetime became the Buddha. We have to have that willingness to practice. You know, we think how how old we are now. Maybe this year, 2010 finished, we've reached a certain age. 30 years old, 40, 50, 60 years old. How many years have we been practicing mindfulness? How many times? And how many years and times we haven't? Maybe for many, many years we've let our mind go. We didn't practice much mindfulness. We didn't study the teachings, listen to Dhamma. Accumulated all kinds of attachments, all kinds of suffering. So naturally it will take a little bit of time and effort to work with that, to free ourselves from that suffering. Just one night, one one meditation session won't be enough. We have to be willing to practice. And this is how we can repay our debt of gratitude to our parents who brought us into the world and brought us up, to our teachers, all those people who have helped us through our life, and to the Buddha himself. The Buddha said there's nothing more suitable to repay the debt of gratitude to the Buddha than what we call patipati puja. Puja through the practice, meaning showing reverence, respect, gratitude to the Buddha through the practice, actually putting those teachings into practice. That's the way to repay the debt. If you want to be a good son or daughter to your parents, well, they'll want you to practice in a way that will lead to your happiness. If you want to be a good student of a teacher, that t- you have to practice in a way that will be a happy and peaceful student of that teacher. If you want to be a good student of the Buddha, then, then try and practice the Buddhist path. And this is what a wise person does. So we've all come together tonight to practice. What we'll continue on with now is we'll do some uh, chanting, some Pali and some English. Um, I think the chanting books are all there. We'll do our evening chanting. Find that on page two or three. Uh, Just uh, a chance to... uh, Show our reverence, gratitude to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and reflect on some of the teachings.